love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, we ask, Lord, for your presence to be in our presence this evening. Pray that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, we do uh, just praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, grab a hymnal. Turn to page number 187. He is Lord. 187.
opportunity to welcome one another to the services. Grab a hymnal for our last song, page number 374, Be Thou My Vision. Sing the first, second, and the last. Appreciate the prayers. Last, of course, last Wednesday at the last minute, I got a phone call from my mom 
uh, from the, the doctor's office saying they were taking my mom to the, the doctor or to the hospital. Uh, found out, praise the Lord, that uh, uh, she is doing well. Uh, thought that maybe she might have had a, was having a heart attack or uh, many strokes, but actually it was, um, she had um, um, acid reflux and her anxiety uh, kicked in high gear and things, so that really uh, threw her for a loop. So I do appreciate your prayers. I appreciate Brother Keith filling in for me at the last minute. And uh, I called him at five, it was a little after five, and said, hey, can you do this? And he said, yeah, I'll be happy to. So appreciate Brother Keith and his his love for our church and uh, and being willing to fill in for us at the last minute. All right, again, I do appreciate you being here. I hope and pray that you've had a good week thus far and uh, anticipating the rest of the week going well. Uh, just by way, uh, so you know, uh, Brother John was released from the hospital today. And uh, he said, I'll be there at church tonight. I said, no, you won't. I said, you need to go home and you need to relax. And, and uh, just, uh, I said, he says, well, I feel good. And I said, well, I said, you need to just uh, watch by the video or, um, and just enjoy the services that way. And he says, that's what Miss Marlowe was saying. I said, well, you need to listen to her. She's a lot smarter than you. And I put a lot smarter than you. So... I uh, hope he's listening, and that's one more for you, Brother John. And uh, we're keeping tags on tabs on who gets the most uh, jabs in. So, uh, and since I have the pulpit, I can just stand the whole service and jab on him. So, but anyways, we appreciate them, and glad that everything went well uh, with his surgery yesterday. It was a little bit longer than what we anticipated. Uh, but that was just a misunderstanding on our part. We thought it was just a two-hour surgery. It ended up being a four-hour surgery, uh, two-hour for the first part and then two-hour for the second part. And so we're just thankful that everything went well. All right. And it's good to have Brother Kirk and Miss Mona back with us. And praise the Lord for what the Lord's uh, done there as well. He's, uh, I asked him today, I said, are you back? Well, I'm not going to ask you if you're back to normal because what is normal? You know, uh, with Brother Kirk, uh, that might be a, a different scale for many. So, uh, but anyways, he said that he's doing much better, and we praise the Lord for that as well. And uh, also continued pray for Miss Jamie Christman, and uh, appreciate them continue praying for her. And then I had a prayer request um, uh, uh, this I uh, just had it up here. Uh, uh, I don't know what I did with it, Brother Kirk. There's a. Uh, I think I had the paper here. Yes, Megan Ho uh, Hovac, I believe is her name, but uh, she lost her husband. And uh, uh, so I would ask that you would pray. I uh, was in the ministry for 30 years, is that right? Uh, youth minister for 30 years. And just uh, uh, pray for the family. A difficult situation. And just ask that you remember the, I believe it's a Hoback family. And uh, 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 so remember them. Remember Megan in your prayers, if you would. All right. Let's go ahead and get into the message. We're going to continue our study in the book of John. We've been looking through the portraits of Christ or how Christ is pictured according to uh, John. And uh, we see many uh, portraits of Christ. And as we look at this chapter, chapter number 16 tonight, uh, we're seeing that Jesus and his disciples are making their way from the upper room uh, to, the, uh, to Gethsemane. 
And Jesus taught some great and valuable lessons during this time. And these, these men are, they're, at this point in their life, they're very, uh, understandably, they're upset at, at the notion that Jesus Christ is going to be taken away from them in their midst. And, and because of their distress, Jesus gives them uh, these chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16 as a source of comfort, as a source of encouragement. Uh, there's a lot of things that is in these chapters that's wonderful you to, for you to study out. But in this passage, in chapter 16, Jesus is telling them uh, of his spirit. He's telling them of his spirit. He's promising that when he goes away, that he will deliver unto them a wonderful gift, and that gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we all should say amen right there, because we're thankful for the Holy Spirit's working in our lives. And that's really what I want to focus on tonight, and I've, I've titled this, Jesus in 3G. Three to, Jesus and 3G. And what I mean by that is the great gift giver. He's the great gift giver. And uh, while this passage is about Jesus Christ, the emphasis is on the gift, what Jesus is giving here. And therefore, let's take some time to uh, understand this gift, this Holy Spirit, uh, a little bit better. Uh, and by way of introduction, I believe that the Holy Spirit is probably is probably the most misunderstood, the most often mis, uh, often ignored, and the most unappreciated member or uh, of the Trinity, of the Holy Trinity. And my aim tonight is for us to better understand the uh, the Holy Spirit's working in our lives and and what He does, how He reacts in our, how He uh, works in our lives, and things such as that. So we're going to look at Jesus in 3G, or the great gift giver. Number one, uh, as we look there in Genesis chapter number 16, let's read some verses in verse 1. It says, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh, but whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you uh, may remember that I told you of them. And these things has I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. And of judgment because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer once again. Our Heavenly Father, we just need you in a special way. Lord, as we uh, study about the Holy Spirit and your, His working in our hearts, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to better understand, Lord, that we would uh, uh, better appreciate uh, how the Holy Spirit works in, a, uh, in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate our minds and our hearts, that we may be hearers and doers of your word. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. I want you to notice here first, I want you to know the worth of the great, this great gift. The value, the worth of this great gift. Look there again in verse 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Jesus told uh, his men that it was expedient uh, that he go away. That word simply means that it's profitable. It's going to be profitable for them that he goes away. And they don't understand it. They don't understand why. How is it going to be profitable for us? How would, it, would this be possible? Well, to better understand the worth or the value of this great gift, we must first come to the understand something about his nature. The nature of the Holy Spirit. You know, I want you to consider, notice his personality. You know, please notice that the Spirit, God, uh, the Spirit of God is a he and not an it. Oftentimes we think, uh, you might say the Holy Spirit, it. No, it's, he is part of the triune God. He is a part of it. He is co-equal with the Father and the Son, and he is just as much God as they are. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says this, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, and these three are one. However, his status as a person is further illustrated by uh, the Bible's use of pronouns in the Word of God. When you read about the Holy Spirit, you'll notice like there in verse 7 and 8, it says, uh, uh, notice there in verse 7 and 8, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, uh, for if I go not uh, away, the, whole, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And then notice here, and when he is come, he will reprove you. Uh, notice all the pronouns there, how he's, he's known as he and him and uh, things such as that. So we see here that every reference that you'll notice speaking about the Holy Spirit, he's referred to as he or him. Other truths that, that let us know that he is a person are uh, that, that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Uh, you know, that chair or that uh, pulpit or, you know, the pulpit here or the, uh, the pews, they can't be grieved. But the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He is a person. To, that word "grieve" means to to make sad or or to be so, or to made sorry. Uh, he can also be quenched. He can be quenched. The Bible says, "Quench not the Holy Spirit." So, and then the Holy Spirit can be lied to. Uh, Acts chapter five verses one through eleven tells us that. Two other factors that are worthy of special notice is that in John fourteen sixteen, whenever he's talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus is referring the Spirit as another Comforter. Uh, the word another, we've talked about this before, comes from a Greek word which refers to one of the same quality. Uh, it, it implies a, a state of equality or sameness, one in the same. So according to John chapter 16 and verse 13 and 14, uh, let's read that. It says, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall hear that, uh, uh, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He, will, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show, uh, show it unto you. The Holy Spirit here uh, in 
John 16, 13 through 14. And then in John 15, 26, the Holy Spirit will, will never... Notice this, that the Holy Spirit will never promote Himself. He never promotes Himself. He is in the sole business of pointing men to Jesus. That's what He does. I realize that this flies in the face of many of our uh, some of the modern movements where the Spirit is emphasized in the service. But in truth, He did not come to make a name known for Himself. He came to point men to Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Is, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But, so I want you to notice His personality, but also I want you to notice His power. His power. Notice that the Spirit is called by the name Comforter. Comforter. This word comes from a Greek word which refers to an assistant or helper, uh, one who comes along the, the side of another to offer aid, to, uh, to refer, it, it can be referred to as a defense attorney. In reference to the Spirit, it refers to, uh, the scriptures refer to him as, as one who comes along the side of a saint uh, of God to offer help for the journey. Can I just tell you that uh, without the Holy Spirit's help in my life, I don't know, I don't think I can make it through the day. I need the Holy Spirit's help in my life, His power in my life to get through my day and my journey. He comes along the side to help aid. He encourages us. He teaches us those things that we need to know. And may I be so bold as to say that the Holy Spirit of God, I believe, is the saint's best friend here on earth. See, it would be absolutely impossible to live a Christian life without the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. See, if He did not live within the child of God and give direction minute by minute, we would never be able to do the work of the Lord in our lives. Why? Because we, are, uh, we do things wicked continually. And that we live, when we are living in the flesh, and you think about this, when we live in the flesh, we do as what flesh wants. As the flesh pleases. See, think about this. Jesus was led of the Spirit. Jesus came to live as a man, fulfilling all the demands of God's righteousness. He came to live the kind of life that is possible only through the power of the Spirit in our lives. Notice His power, but also notice His permanence. According to the Bible, the Spirit of God comes into a life that moment that a person gets saved. That moment that a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit uh, indwells that person. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And then He never leaves. Aren't you thankful for that? He can be grieved, He can be quenched, but He never leaves. The Holy Spirit always is with us. You see, there are many groups who say that a person must be saved by faith in Jesus and then some, at some other later date, uh, that same person can meet a list of demands and, and then they can receive the Holy Spirit. That's not how God works. When in truth, if you do not have the Spirit of God, then you do not have the Son of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says this, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So you cannot be saved without having the Spirit of God. You must, when you get saved, that moment you become, you have the Holy Spirit. You see, they come together as part of, 
of the same package. You see, you cannot have one without the other. Here is where the truth of true worth of the Holy Spirit is clearly seen in view. The fact that he comes into the life of a believer and dwells in him in a rem- is a remarkable thing. You see, Jesus in his human body is limited to one geographical location, if you will. Also in his body, it's impossible for him to indwell us, but the Holy Spirit is able to indwell every child of God and to be in more than one person at a time. He's, it, it, think about this. We have 20, maybe 30 people here tonight. And that Jesus Christ, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God indwells each person. Now let's say each one of us had drove in 30 different directions. Did you realize that the Holy Spirit is, in with, is still with each one of us? It's the Holy Spirit that's, that's with us. We need to understand the work and the value, the worth of the, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then I want you to notice in verses 7 through 15, notice the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to read them all because I will probably go through them in, in just a few moments. But the work of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, we're told that the Spirit's restraining ministry in our lives. In John 3, 5, we're told of the Spirit's regenerating ministry in our lives. But in these verses, we're talking about the Holy Spirit's reproving ministry in our lives. I want you to notice the work of the, the Holy Spirit in the lives of sinners. There in verses 8 through 11, let's go ahead and read it. It says, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and they see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Notice there that uh, in relation to those outside of Jesus, the Spirit of God performs a twofold work in their lives. I'm talking about the unsaved people. Now, number one, what he does is he convicts. That's what the Bible says. He convicts of sin and uh, uh, of righteousness and of judgment. Uh, that is, he points out the sin and the wrong that we're doing. Then, not only does he convict, but he convinces that is, he points the lost person towards the truth, that, uh, that Jesus Christ is the truth. And he, he reveals the truth of God uh, to the hearts that have been opened to it through the ministry of conviction. This ministry involves conviction and convincing in areas of, of sin, as we talked about. The Holy Spirit convicts the sinner of, of the fact that he is sinful. I don't know about you, but it wasn't... Uh, uh, when I got saved, it wasn't very hard. The Holy Spirit didn't have to uh, do a whole lot of convincing to show me that I was a sinner. I mean, He convicted me immediately when I was before I got saved. I was under so much conviction of how much of a wicked sinner I was, although I may not have understood all all of it in the magnitude that I do now. But I realized, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and I sinned. See, he points out our sin. Men may deny personal sin, but when the Spirit of God comes 
by in conviction and, and the sinner knows that he is guilty, conviction may not be very pleasant, but it's essential and it is a blessing from the Lord. Not only does the Spirit convict of sin, but He also convinces of unbelief. That is, He teaches men that foolishness of not believing in Jesus. He shows the sinner that unbelief is wrong. In fact, if there, there must be a classification of, of sins of awfulness, I believe the worst sin a person can ever commit is not murder or blaspheme or abortion or adultery. The worst sin is a sin of unbelief. After all, it's the only sin that will send a man to hell. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit of God just doesn't show up, show us the bad side that, and then leave us here to twist in the wind, but he, he shows us the way of salvation as well. Verses such as John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and verses that are sprinkled out throughout the, uh, the Word of God. But then He also convicts and convinces of righteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts the lost person of the need of getting right with God. He produces in the heart of, uh, uh, of the lost a deep-seated feeling of, of, of filthiness. We need to remember that we are absolutely unrighteous in of ourselves. According to Isaiah 64, verse 6, uh, our righteousness is as filthy rags totally defiled and absolutely wretched. Yet in his convincing ministry, he points us to the truth that Jesus paid the price of sin and that he has been accepted by the Father. Now anyone who places their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation will be saved and declared righteousness in God by God in heaven. The righteousness of Jesus will be, will be imputed to anyone who receives him. Amen. But then of judgment. The Spirit of God convicts the heart of man about the reality of an approaching judgment day's coming. Men may joke about hell. And they may even use the word hell by, as a byword in their everyday language. But deep in their soul, I believe the Holy Spirit of God deals with people and says, Hey, there is a hell. There is a hell. There is a hell. You say, I don't believe that. I believe that the Spirit of God does that work in people's life and they reject that. While He convicts men of uh, uh, approaching judgment, He also convinces men of the great truth that the price of judgment has already been paid in full. Jesus Christ paid that price for us. It's paid in full. But then not only the Holy Spirit's work in the sinner, but also in the lives of the saints. While the Holy Spirit is active in the lives of unbelievers, He's very, very much active in the part and the life of believers. There are several ministries that he conducts in our lives. One of them is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that. He lives inside of every born-again believer. He indwells us. But then he instructs us. John chapter 16, 13 tells us that he is present to give direction in the way of God, the will of God, and the word of God. The Holy Spirit will always lead in the way of God, the will of God, and in the Word of God. He never leads outside of those ways. And then the infilling. 
The Spirit of God desires to fill our lives with His presence and power so that we might be able to serve the Lord in abundant and glorious manner. You know, there's a command in Ephesians 5.18. That command is this. Be filled with the Spirit. We're to continually, to continually, as we, uh, we got all the Spirit that we're ever going to get, but we do get, uh, um, our tanks get empty sometimes. Sometimes we, uh, we the, the world has more of us than the Holy Spirit has. Um, uh, just like I, I, this morning, I, I filled up my gas tank. And this may be not the best uh, example, but this morning I filled up my gas tank, and there's only so much, so much that uh, my gas tank can hold. Now, I went in there and I filled it up, and uh, no, it was yesterday morning because Brother Travis was with me, and we went up to see Brother John, and I put in, I said, wow, $43 to fill up my truck. That's amazing. I was just so excited about that and was talking about, and it filled it up to the brim. I got every drop because it was only like $2.15, and I'm like, I'm going to get every drop, every ounce I can get in there. I filled it up completely. Now, I haven't put any more gas or, uh, in the truck since then. I'm down to about a half tank now. But did you realize that that tank is still full? You say, how's that? Well, it's halfway full with gas, but it's full with air the rest of the way. You see, we got to continually being filled with the Spirit. We've got areas in our lives where uh, maybe the world has more of, the, of us than the Holy Spirit does. We've got to continually being filled with the Spirit of God. So in the lives of, of the believer, he instructs, he infills us, he enables us. In Acts chapter 1, tells us he gives us the power. Uh, what transformed the disciples from a group of terrified men hiding in the upper room and uh, uh, a group of men uh, that, that changed the world was the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those believers. See, the Spirit of God is, is a giver of spiritual gifts. He's the giver of the spiritual gifts. But then also not only in, in, in instructing and feeling, enabling and, and encouraging. John 14, 18, the Spirit of God carries out a blessed ministry of encouragement in the lives of God's people. Aren't you thankful for how He encourages us? The Holy Spirit knows what He's the one that gives us peace that passes all understanding. He's a great comforter. When you think of comforter, it's in its word right there, it gives you comfort and peace that passes all understanding. So we see the worth of the great of the Holy Spirit, but then we see the work of the Holy Spirit. But then I want you to notice the last thing, the wonder of the Holy Spirit, the wonder. I'm going to ask you to turn back one chapter to, or a couple chapters to John 14. John 14, verses 16 through 18, the Bible says this, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You should notice here the fact that the Holy Spirit is a wonderful gift. 
should be abundantly apparent by now. However, I would like to point out three great truths to illustrate the wonderful, this wonderful truth of this wonderful gift. Number one, the wonder lies in his presence in our lives. Look again there, verse 17, it says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Just the simple truth, every child of God is a living, breathing temple of God, is astounding to me. Think about it. There is nowhere we go and that we can go that we would be ever be separated from the Holy Spirit of God. Now, everywhere He goes, He goes in us. The key to experiencing this is learning to yield to Him so that He won't just be in us, but that He will also be able to live through us. It's not enough that He's just in us, but that He would live through us. But then the wonder lies in his permanence in our lives. Look there again in verse 16. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Once a person saved by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence there for the rest of that person's life. At that very instant, we talked about this as salvation, the Holy Spirit of God is sealed in the heart of the believer and will remain, remain there until that life is over. The Bible says in, in uh, Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. We have the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. Someone may say, well, what about backsliders? When a person backslides, don't they lose their salvation or, or don't they lose the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. He'll be quenched and he can be uh, grieved, but he is sealed inside the believer and he will abide there forever. You can't get away from him. Then I want you to notice the last thing. The wonder lies in his performance in our lives. Again in verse 16 it says, And I will pray the Father and he, will, he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. As I said, the Holy Spirit is probably uh, the most misunderstood, the most neglected, the most often ignored member of the, Holy, uh, of the Trinity. Yet as for our day-to-day -day lives are concerned, he is the most active in our lives and the one on whom we are most dependent Therefore, instead of ignoring him and being afraid of him, let's rejoice in the gift that we have been given and allow him to have his way in our hearts and our lives so that we might serve the Lord in abundance in a deeper, most fulfilling way. See, his performance is astounding. He is able to take a man who is headed for hell. So think about this. And who doesn't care about God and take that same man and bring him under conviction of sin to the point of Calvary and point him to Calvary and save him by the grace of God. From the guttermost to the uttermost. You think about the life that you were living before you got saved. Maybe you weren't, you say, well, I wasn't as, uh, I wasn't living so much, uh, that much in sin. 
I think of my wife. She wasn't one that was, she, she never smoked cigarettes. She never drank uh, any alcohol. She never, she, she probably said curse words like, uh, I don't know if she did or not, but she probably did. I mean, uh, you know, every kid does it from time to time. Things that doesn't please mom and dad at least, all right? Let's say that. And, and uh, Christian curse words, even that. But anyway, so, but she wasn't living in a wicked, wicked lifestyle. I mean, uh, so you think about that and you think, well, she wasn't living in that much sin, so she didn't have to be saved the same. No. She had to be the same, saved the same way as, as the Apostle Paul, the one that was uh, holding the marching orders for Christians to be killed. I mean, the same, uh, that same person, that same exact way does a person need to be saved as a person that thinks they're righteous or thinks they haven't done so much bad. They need to be saved just as much as that drunkard or that druggie or that murderer or that, uh, you, you name it. They need to be saved just the same. He uses the life of a new, the new life to carry out the gospel to other sinners who needs to meet the same life-changing Savior and that process begins again and again and again. So, in conclusion, where does this message find you tonight? I believe according to most, I believe in the testimony of most people in here, maybe even listening, this message may not find you as a lost sinner. But if it does, the message, if you're struggling in sin and you're lost and if you were to die right now, you'd go to hell, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now saying you need to be saved. What He's telling you is truth. You need to be saved. My challenge for you is this, that you would come to an altar, that you would get saved before it's eternally too late. Maybe this message finds you already saved but living in your own power and your own energy. My challenge to you is also for you to come to the altar and confess your sins to the Lord and He will forgive you and you again can march on for His glory. Maybe you're here and you find yourself saved but struggling with the difficulties and the burdens of life. My challenge for you is the same, just to come and lay your burdens at the cross and lay your burdens here at the altar and say, Lord, I need your help. Holy Spirit of God, I need your help in my life. Wherever the Lord may find you this evening, please know that you don't have to remain there. Whatever your need is today, I challenge you to bring your life to Jesus and that you will allow Him to do a great work in your life. Why not come to Him and experience the great gift of the great gift of salvation and the Holy Spirit tonight. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Jesus in 3G He's the great gift giver. Maybe you're here tonight and I don't, I don't know exactly what your need is tonight but I do know we all need Him. We need the Holy Spirit. I guess the question can be better asked this. Have you grieved the Holy Spirit today? Have you quenched the Holy Spirit today? If that's the case, you need to confess. 
And He's faithful and just. The Holy Spirit. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Won't you come and get that settled this evening? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, the convincing us of, of our sins and, Lord, of our unrighteousness. And, Lord, we ask you tonight, Lord, that you would just do, have your way and your will done in our lives. Lord, we may, we may be receptive and obedient to whatever you have for us. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We give all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. As God has spoke to you, I'm just going to challenge you to just be obedient. Whatever he tells you to do. as you're in an attitude of prayer. Just want to remind you, continue to pray for Brother Keller. Pray for Brother, uh, continue to pray for Brother Kirk as he's recovering. And uh, just to meet their needs as uh, he's going to be in need of a job soon, I'm sure. And so just pray that uh, pray for the needs there. Also, I, I'd ask that you pray for Brother Greg. He's going through some uh, sickness right now, just not feeling well. Uh, just would ask that you would uh, pray for him. Remember Megan as well. We prayed uh, earlier or asked you to pray earlier for Megan and her na last name is Horvath. Horvath. H-O-R-V-A-T-H I believe it is. So remember Megan. And any other prayer requests tonight? Yes, Peyton. Tim Duncan, salvation. Okay, anyone else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all that you do. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have to pray and that we can lift our petitions to you, knowing that you hear our prayers. Lord, I do think of Megan tonight, Lord, as she's going through uh, this time of bereavement, Lord, in this uh, uh 
trial, a time of trial for her, Lord. I pray that you would comfort her, Lord, that you would just come along this side of her and just uh, um, just give her peace and uh, during this time. Lord, I, I ask that you be with Brother John and pray that you would just uh, give him a speed of recovery. I know his desire, Lord, is to be in our uh, at our church and to be serving you. And uh, Lord, I ask that you would just uh, help him to get the rest that he needs. And uh, Lord, that he would come back uh, energized and um, Lord, pain free. And if it be thy will, Lord, also for Brother Greg as he's going through some uh, difficult time right now, just with sickness and just. Uh, things that he's going through, I ask that you would just be with him. Also for Jim Duncan, Lord, the most important need that we have tonight is the need of salvation. And Lord, we ask that you would save him. Be with Brother Danny as he is with uh, him and uh, and witnesses to him. Lord, I pray that you give him the words to say. Help him be a light in the dark community. And Lord, I ask that you would be with our church. Help us to grow uh, most importantly in spirit, but also in number. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us direction. Lord, we ask for your guidance in our lives. Thank you for all that you do. Pray that you would just bless us as we go our uh, separate ways and bring us back the next appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you so much for being here tonight. We will see you, Lord willing, on Sunday.